millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, this is My Good Bad Brain. If you like My Good Bad Brain, please consider leaving us reviews on iTunes uh, or wherever the hell you find it. Only if they're good ones and only if they're true. <laughs> um... But also uh, patreon.com slash my good bad brain keeps uh, keeps the pod going. Um, and that's really wonderful. And there's some fun little sort of uh, artsy fartsy rewards I put up there too. If you want to sign up at some some of the tiers above 25 bucks to support, that is dope. I just want to take a little extra minute here this morning uh, before we get into this. I'm going to go into this again at the end of the podcast. So, you know, whatever. Sorry, you're going to hear it twice. But I just wanted to put it at the front in case anybody doesn't listen to the whole podcast. Um, if you were considering this being the week that you uh, finally felt like dropping some dough on the Patreon for My Good Bad Brain, I would ask you to take that money and give it instead to... Uh, somebody who is a listener of My Good Bad Brain. And as I've said on this podcast um, before, uh, I think my favorite thing that's happening with this pod is it's creating this small little network, I think, of um, connected Good Bad Brains. And even if they're silent connections, secret connections, this little web of knowing other people are out here uh, struggling and surviving and even motherfucker thriving, um, I think that that is really wonderful and a real help uh, on that token um, the name uh, there's two Instagrams check out I need some backbone um, just like it sounds I N E E D S O M E B A C K B O N E on Instagram it's uh, a listener there are other in private Instagram personal I don't know is Narkill G N A R K K I L L but um, there's someone who uh, is a yeah just like one of us good bad brain listeners you know um, they're looking for uh, some assistance. They've got some spine problems going on, and um, I think they're just a total of less than a thousand bucks. It's it's in pounds, so it's overseas. But there's a website to maybe donate. Just trying to basically get a good wheelchair and some prescriptions, some help with travel to and from appointments, stuff like that. Um, there's someone who's. Uh, got schizophrenia. I think we might actually have him on the pod just to talk. Um, about that at some point in the near future. Um, I'll share this stuff on my Instagram too, but uh, thanks for listening for those first few minutes and considering if you had a few bucks, you're going to give to my Patreon or something else or use to buy a coffee or something today, you know, $5 latte instead of uh, just doing it at home. Um, consider giving that instead to Narkill, our friend I Need Some Backbone, Holly Mary, um, because I think, that's fucking nice to do. <laughs> and a big theme of this pod is going to be about showing up for other people and how much that can help 
our own experience, I think, to get out of our own experience. And, you know, this is this is so this is so doable. You know, this amount of money, it's it's not a huge amount of money. And it I don't know, I, I think the amount of money you spend on groceries, people have no idea how much that can fucking change someone's life. You know, for a lot of us who have experienced or still experienced living paycheck to paycheck, um, a little bit goes a long way. And sometimes we're really living close to the edge and, and then something horrible like this, like having some real spine problems you need to deal with can come along. So, um, I just, I, I, I don't know. I haven't done this before on the pod and I'm really fucking rambling too long, but, um, check it out. I need some backbone Narkill. consider, uh, throwing a few bucks that way to just help out that problem it's a human being who also listens to the pod and is part of our little network of good bad brains let's help out if we can help out okay (laughs) all right theme music and then into this week's brain breather thank you for sitting through this fuck four minute long thing bye welcome to my good bad brain i'm a normal person so i'm insane I've got depression and ADHD, but I'm doing better since I medicated me. I'm still not always sure whether I exist or what being a person even really is. But I figured out a long time ago that being alive is beautiful. Hello. Hi everyone. Well, here we are. Good bad braining again. It's a brain breather. I seem to have returned a bit to that uh, previous schedule of uh, a solo up and then a, and then a convo and then a solo up and then a convo. I like it. I'm late this week. Um, it's been a kooky week leading up to this week, and you know, good bad brain's always been a little bit flexible. So. Um, you know, I, I prioritize getting some other things done before getting a brain breather out. Um, this, uh, this past week was kind of nutty, uh, for me. I, um, it was interesting to come off of, I mean, I was having kind of like a really, really unpleasant sort of depressive episode there for a little bit, um, on and off and, and realizing I was in it and coming out of it. Um, I don't know, was, uh, kind of standard, I guess. I want to say it was super easy and better because I have all these tools and I've been through it before and whatnot, but uh, I don't know that it was. I I also don't think it was nearly as horrible and painful and unconscious and definitely not destructive the way I used to be when I was deep in bad little, you know, uh, yeah, episodes. I don't know. Episodes the easiest word for me to use, I guess, because I really feel that way. There's these little experiences that have their own narrative beginning, middle, end. Anyway, um, and that led into this week of, um, well, well, uh, so basically Allie and I were already planning to go away for the weekend, um, partly to visit a friend of hers who's, uh, she's been meaning to see cause she's going through some medical treatments for, um, you know, kind of a, a serious thing. And, and we thought it'd be nice to, to organize a trip to just go up and say hi and, and stuff like that. Uh, to NorCal, it's like San Francisco area, and randomly there was this big snow where her parents live, uh, and they got really 
snowed in. So uh, they they live in an area that the power was out. It's basically a cabin in the woods. The, the power goes out. There's six feet of snow. Um, their generator breaks, so their heater doesn't work. Uh, and then most of their heat they have is from firewood, and they're running out of firewood. They have like six pieces left, basically, by the time we got there. Really running out of firewood, and that's all they have to keep them warm. Not to mention, since the power's out, the refrigerator broke. Like food's all spoiled and stuff, and and they're um you know getting up there in age and and have some some medical ailments that uh, makes it pretty tough to to get some things done in these kind of extreme situations. So uh, so we kind of hightailed it up there, and, and what ensued was like the strangest karmic week. Uh, like I don't know what was going on. We're trying to get out of town. Of course, the day of work and everything and trying to organize things sooner means we're getting out of town later than we wanted. Uh, still ahead of time just to get there as soon as we can. We, we I literally called like the sheriff's department up there to send some firewood ahead of us. And um, I mean, it, I, it was just nutty. Like we're buying this generator at 10 at night at a, and getting ready to psyched up, drinking these big colas, you know, to get out of town. We'll drive for a long time as far as we can get a motel if we have to. If we get too tired and just keep going in the morning and the whole five ends up being blocked like 35 miles out of L.A. It's like the semi truck turned over and it was going to block all lanes of the highway for at least another four hours. And we were just like, what the fuck? OK, we'll turn around. We'll drive back home. Left again the next day. The next day turns into, uh, you know, the good high spirits, but we're hightailing up there to get there as quick as we can. We get up there. And we're we're it's good good timing, you know. Uh, definitely like running out of candles and heat and everything. We end up installing this generator in the night, getting the generator running, the powers back on. We uh, had more firewood then because we, you know, her dad had ended up going and getting uh, uh, some some wood, but you know, need help unloading it from the truck. We unloaded the wood from the truck. We uh, spent a few days shoveling snow and helping with the neighbors snowblower and just you know all, all this stuff and um and then in in san francisco we go down there still to visit her friend that was all lovely one night on the street like one of the last nights we're there we're going to get in the car and there's this woman just crying in the rain crouched on the ground and you go up and you know Allie's you know take point person she's so instinctively protective and helpful and and find out this girl's like blackout drunk from sacramento alone so we, you know, took some time to try to reunite her with her boyfriend and, and all this craziness. It was, we ended up, you know, she got on her way back home in a lift and it was with somebody like a nice female driver who got it and we gave her a charging cord and make sure she could get somewhere. And, and then the next day, we're finally going to get back in LA in time to do all our work Monday. We're both like behind on stuff we need to do. She has a whole podcast she's got to put out, which is, you know, takes a lot more research and craziness and, and, you know, work than, than this one does. And, uh, we're cruising. We're going to get back. It's all going to work out, even if it's going to be a little hectic. And what do you know? 90 miles out of LA this time or so the grapevine is closed. The, that's a, there's a mountain pass here in LA. The I five goes to these mountains. That's, you know, the weather gets way worse because it goes above this <laughs> elevation and it's notorious every uh, winter time. 
you know, sometimes it'll get dicey if that pass snows over and ice is over and California drivers aren't really prepared for that kind of a thing. So cars slip and slide all over the hill and they end up shutting it down because uh, the weather. So the weather can actually do that. And of course, Grapevine is closed. I-5 is all closed up. We end up getting a motel and it's like, again, like somehow major energy, like the one big freeway in and out of L.A., like closed two times in a week. And I don't know, it was uh, definitely a, a long, like kind of a tiring weekend. But uh, and but uh, I don't know of helping people and then and then also having to face these um, these natural occurrences that were sort of forcing us to. uh put off our own stuff that we needed to do and um and it was interesting to reflect on that there's you know I I don't really believe in uh the thing of well other people have it worse it's not it's not a helpful thing when someone has tough stuff in their life um but I do think sure a little bit of contextualizing and stuff can kind of help like you you put yourself in a bigger picture of where your stakes at and and you know whatever but I think more more effective for what well, I don't know lifting one's spirits and stuff like that about this concept about like other people um, being in dire circumstances or needing more help than uh, you know from objective survival standpoints than um, you might have with your uh, experiences with your own mind I don't think there's a healing power at all in thinking about other people having it because because everyone's living their experience. I do think there is some kind of healing, helping power in helping other people and showing up for other people. And I may have touched on this in the podcast before, but it's it's worth revisiting that uh, one thing I've found is for years and years and years of my own mental stuff, I have many times found myself waiting for someone to show up for me, needing someone to show up for me. And I'm not saying that um, I, magically, I should say. Like, I wouldn't ask for the help. I, I do make a practice of that now, and I think everyone should cultivate that um, to be able to ask for help and accept it after you've asked for it. Uh, not just, you know, think because, you know, it has to happen magically without you saying anything for it to be real. Um. People can't read minds, you know, <laughs> not to be a mom. People can't read your mind. Um, but that waiting for someone to show up for me, come fix my problems, come save me, never really works. It can, but it's unreliable. And I don't know, I don't think has a deep healing quality to it. It more has like a, a balming quality and, uh, you know, a Band-Aid sort of. And... And I have found invariably showing up for other people does work. Um, I think for two reasons. Uh, I think one, yeah, the the perspective of just taking the focus of healing and helping off of yourself and into the world, um, either in the micro or the macro, putting your focus, your focus is still on healing. And I think there's some bleed of that, that like you receive some of that healing energy just because you are doing the work of healing. And in healing others, it has this sort of backwards and forwards effect, um, helping others, healing others, that it, it sort of helps yourself also. There's like some energy to that that seems to go both ways. Um, and I think in a more practical sense, it gets you out of your head. It just gets you out of your head 
and any kind of navel gazing or focusing on your own pain and outward into your hands or into your intentions. Um, I think specifically the kind of help that involves tasks can actually be really, uh, really healing. And I think you can hack this for your own self, I've found, just by focusing on tasks. I think tasks that have physical um, qualities to them really help. I, uh, I was a butcher for a while at one point in my life. And um, I do want to do a, a podcast at some point, a conversation sort of on uh, ideas of, of death and food. And I don't know, I think that there's something interesting about that, where, where death arrives in everyday life and ethics thereof or morality or lack of morality thereof. But anyway, I was a butcher and I became a butcher at a really low point in my life. And even at the time, I don't know if I would have pinpointed that it was such a low point because I was just such a maniac and being so compulsive to deal with my feelings and get out of my, my body. But I got into this uh, job as a butcher and it was, it was really physical work, really long hours. I mean, kitchen work, anyone who's ever worked in a kitchen or in a restaurant in a busser position or something like that knows how rough it is, like how long the hours are and how physical it is, not just being on your feet, but then you add in, um, you're like moving big heavy stuff around. As a butcher, you're like moving around big pieces of animal and stuff like that. We were this whole animal butcher that, um, yeah, so we'd get, you know, load-ins of like big, you know, hundreds of pounds, uh, pieces of animal that we'd have to move around. And, uh, and then also with cooking and stuff, it's very practical, physical, uh, focused at a micro, uh, level too, at at just the level of your digits, you know, that like you're moving your hands around and you have to be careful because there's, you know, sharp objects and, um, you're interacting with something physical and you're fabricating something. And this trip, um, sort of involved, a lot of that too. Uh, there was um, the, uh, uh, the with this generator we had installed. We did, we tried we repaired this other one. It was just a pull string that broke. But re- replacing the pull string, and then the generator, you know, was kind of in an area that I, we didn't feel super comfortable about the exhaust like drifting up into the house. You got to be careful with generators. It's basically like a running car engine. Uh, you know, c- produces a lot of carbon dioxide, um, and so we were or, or monoxide. I don't know. But we, I built this little. Um, sh- thing attached to the shroud to to funnel the the exhaust away in a tube and and take it outside the house uh, or further away from the house. And you know, I-, I think this is a little bit maybe a way that I'll I'll hack my other mental problem to deal with the one like ADHD. You know, if you have a problem to solve and uh, a, a, like a sort of project to figure out a little puzzle. It really engages you um, effectively. It'll keep you attached to a task for a long and focused period of time in a very intense way. And and um, I don't know, m- much like people sometimes say about who have manic and depressive episodes, how good the manic episodes feel because you feel so productive, you feel so up and you feel so alive and you feel you know so focused and you're doing things. Um, I kind of think... There's something to, at least for me, like hacking this one aspect of my brain, this this ADHD thing that does feel kind of good when I'm up and I'm in and I'm engaged. It feels so good when you're locked in and you have a thing you're doing, no matter what it is. Um, the difficulty usually is just getting started on it or figuring out how to summon up that energy for things that you're not uh, excited about or that aren't new. Um, 
but that you kind of hack this aspect of yourself, this ability to focus, this ability to get into a project outside of yourself and and jam in the energy of it being for helping other people. And it if it's hard to have any focus or energy left to fuel the depression stuff. And I have found in in times like if I'm if I'm just alone and I'm having a, a depressy uh, time, sometimes the thing I'll do uh, has always been like a quick hack is I'll cook something that takes a long time to cook. Usually like like a stew or soup or something like that that requires a lot of chopping vegetables and and um, you know slicing up herbs and and whatever and, and multi-step processes to the cooking just because it gets me into my hands and um, and this and this trip kind of ended up being that way too. The night that we got stuck in the in the motel at the end of it, we ended up just working in the hotel room, working on um, this episode and uh, of, of Allie's that this of her of her podcast and and uh, while I was doing some researching, like I I felt so engaged in the re- in the researching of somebody else's thing is feels energetic like uh, feels feels physical because you're clicking away at the keyboard and and whenever I'm researching things, I actually really enjoy that and I should probably do it more. It feels like this little hunt. And even though it's all digital on the internet now, there's a, an oddly physical sensation to it for me, the same way you'd have going to a library or something like that and picking through books. You just kind of get it online, this hunt, this searching for the for the, the next answers or the next information. And I don't know, it just seemed like something to focus on and pay attention to. Um, be okay with myself for being late on this one. I mean, it's the nature of it uh, sometimes, but, you know, to get something out. Because I came back and there were some other projects to follow up on. With, um, with uh, uh, I recorded some someone for Go Bad Brain next week and with uh, Melissa Montz. It's going to be nice. I, I'm excited for it. Uh, it was a great conversation, but and and setting up some other things, and then just projects I'm behind on because we lost days last week to work. So you're like, yeah, I'm behind on projects. Um, but I will say my mental space, coming off of this recent sort of depressive episode, was really helped by these old habits uh, that I kind of forget to employ sometimes. So I I wanted to share about that, just the helping other people, and especially if you can find a physicalized project to do. Um, I think really, really can be a way to hack our brains and and basically activate our engagement systems because the dopamine engagement system, you know, is obviously a different one and more engaging for ADHD brains. But I I have a feeling for neurotypical ones also, there's something to that, like finding a project to engage in um, to, to hack your own sort of focus and focus it into something more external than your internal experience. Um, if you have a hobby or, or some project maybe you've been putting off for a little bit, but that sounds kind of fun to you, maybe it's good to move that priority to the top of the list for a little bit and let yourself work on it. Um, because I will say this time away, helping some other people, not focusing on my own things, and also uh, getting outside of uh, my depression, which paralyzes me a little bit, I felt also gave me an opportunity to... Um, spend a little time thinking about my habits and my patterns and things that have been difficulty difficult for me and trying to reassess some habits around beating my ADHD in particular um, in these, you know, coming, coming, not to be so combative, you know, like defeating it. Like there's no defeating it. I do obviously not mind sparry martial metaphors because I do a lot of jujitsu and I think there's a less... Um, I don't know, not 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 less violent, but less uh, ooh, 
dark, I guess, scary, corrosive quality to the idea of combative. I mean, I don't know that combative metaphors are the healthiest. Um, I've been kind of cultivating, trying to cultivate a, a self-talk, especially related to ideas of like body issues, but also just failure and, and um, slowness, uh, I guess, like tardiness on, on my projects and inability to focus. The days I feel like I, I, I've lost it uh, to my, you know, hyperactivity disorder or focus issues and whatnot, depression even, that there's this way of talking about my body and myself like I'm a problem and being really aggressive with it. And so the idea of like combating it, beating it, um, I, you know, I, I, I do draw attention to that language and I, I would suggest you do for yourself as well that uh, to figure out if a combative sort of attitude really helps you. Because I, the, what's truer is learning to work within the system of my wonderful body as it is. That my brain does have these issues, but it also gives me a superpower of engagement when I can engage the tools. Like a, a common little thing with ADHD, even in diagnosis, is uh, they'll say, um, do, you, uh, uh, do you feel that if you can get engaged... In, a, in something, there's nothing you can't do. And that most ADHD brains feel that way, um, which I think is wonderful to note, that if you can figure out good habits around your work and how to sort of hack your, um, your brain, uh, uh, that you can become super focused and really do great work in your life on the things that you care about with, with that super focus. You just need to figure out how to utilize it um, and trick it kind of into activating uh, and so I, I was uh, thinking about all that and spending time and I, we listened to some ADHD pod. I've really been enjoying the Attitude, ADD, Attitude podcast, by the way, if anyone out there uh, has ADD, I, I suggest checking it out. And I think that's kind of useful for anybody in the modern age. I think we're all giving ourselves ADHD with the overstimulus, overactivation of dopamine with our phones and stuff. But um they were talking about uh, strategies and one of them, it was, it was about strategies of, of getting work done, of scheduling. And something I'm really bad at is um, basically having a binge attitude around everything. And so if I don't feel like I have the time to sit f and, and finish a project all in one sitting, there's like, what's the point of doing it? When this uh, uh, attaches to small tasks, that's not so bad necessarily because you'll just get things done. But... If you have a project that's going to take more than a day or more than three days or more than a week or, you know, some longer term project, then I can't rely on this binge method. Uh, it creates a really unpleasant way of working for myself. It puts me behind on things because once something's late, I'm just like, well, it's already late and it's so overwhelming. Like, who cares? Just move it to wherever on the list. Just put it off more. And it becomes so overwhelming, more and more overwhelming because like the later it is, the more the work piles up, the more there is to do, the less bingeable it is in terms of possibility and the more it gets shunted away until these projects like never get done. So uh, I have a theory, uh, a theoretical schedule. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put out here a, a, a practice I'm going to try and maybe this will help other people. Maybe we can all try to like address this for ourselves together and see how it works. And the, the radical concept I've, I've come up with is creating a schedule for myself where every day enforces uh, even a small period of, of work window for um, projects that are very long term that I always put off. Whether they're scripts I want to write or um, administrative work on, on websites and things for myself. Um, and I'll say I have not been super good at totally doing this yet. 
But but one aspect of this also is basically a way to, as soon as I become unfocused about a certain project because it's no longer novel or no longer engaging to me, switch it up. Basically switch to another project for a new problem to solve. And that if I try to put away from myself this idea that uh, I have to finish everything I start right when I start it and try to move to this more like, I will healthier and systemic approach to my life of like, you can do a little bit every day at a lot of things. I think that will help keep that novelty kind of alive. If I can keep the novelty hopping, the problem solving hop, hopping, the interest can remain and we can get more things done. Um, I think it's really hard for a lot of us with these kind of brains, whether it's ADHD or I think depression too, because a sense of depression is this overwhelmed feeling. And a lot of ADHD for me is this overwhelmed feeling that uh, creates paralysis. And that's because when you're overwhelmed like that, your brain is going into fight, flight, or freeze mode, you know? And you can't really fight or you can kind of run away. And sometimes that's what happens too from a problem is you just find like a, a thing to watch on TV or a, a, some meaningless other task uh that is engaging to you get play video games or something like that um that's like sort of your your flight response from the overwhelmed feeling of oh my god this project's so late or oh uh, there's so much to do in this thing i'll never get it done whatever or just uh freeze which is just this overwhelming experience of sensation and understanding of the amount of work and so you just do nothing you feel numbed out the problem is is totally reptilian brain that you're like having a, a a fight or flight response like it's like a life and death response to some some stimulus even though it's not life or death it's just your basic fear survival response and it causes these problems i think um part of that comes from looking at things and thinking they only exist as a whole one piece and and that I'm going to have to finish this whole problem now. And sometimes that problem, that project is like ourself. <laughs> and you're like, how am I going to fucking untangle all of me and fix all of this? You know what I mean? Um, I'm doing what I can every day to recontextualize myself as something so black and white and much more as something in dialogue with itself and its existence always. This... I heard once about like there's male and female climax structures, which I mean obviously is based on like human orgasm. But like it was, I think about it a lot because you can see most of our narrative structure that we've learned in our life is it's, it follows a male climax structure. Sure, this kind of steady upwards build, like oh, uh, 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 like a roller coaster that has this big bang at the top, like oh, this is you know your your climax, and then just kind of goes it tapers off, and it all just slumps down at the end but that there's this female climax structure that like comes in waves that go like up and down and up and down and up and down and never go away and I've thought about this a lot because I I think it really sort of syncs up with my own sense of the universe that like everything in my universe has to follow this basic Western mythology, well, I mean, you know, monomythology, I guess uh, they, you know, Joseph uh, Campbell would, would argue, um, but that like this up, down, there's the beginning, middle, end, it's this concise, closed loop thing, and uh, and I think that about my life and tasks, and when I think something's never going to end, and that can be like paying rent every month, that can be like um, 
keeping up with my health and my body, something that realizes some of these tasks will never be completed. There's going to be this constant flow forever you're going to have to figure out. It makes me feel very unsafe. It makes me feel very insecure. This thought that like this will never end. This will never end. And the and the thought um, attaching them to my neuro- neurological issues, my mental problems, are like this is never going to end. It can be very overwhelming and distressing for me to think like, this depression cycle is never going to end. This ADHD thing, you're always going to be this fucking problem that can't figure out how to do things. And um, you're, you're going to have to do this forever. And that thought, you're going to have to do this forever because I'm so attached to like, I need to close loops. I want to complete things. I want to have a black and white understanding of my universe. I want them to start and then I want them to end and that to be completed is, uh, I don't know, pathological for me. Um, in trying to adjust all of that, some of this is a little bit of a Zen detachment thing. Some of them is like you're just sort of contextualizing myself in my universe. Some of it is about like getting your ego out of the way, like uh, in the sense of like the, the almost the solipsistic sense that everything exists within your mind. That the I used to call it when I that like when I was a kid, I and even up through my twenties, I really thought the universe existed in me and not vice versa, and that is can be very overwhelming. But once you're like I am a thing in the universe, a constantly changing and shifting universe one that is in constant negotiation with itself, constant ebb and flow, and I am like that also, that I am this eternal thing, that I am part of the eternal song of like existence, of reality. That's something I find very comforting um, to stop thinking of myself as something that lives and then dies, but to turn it down into, and that there's this concise limited time to accomplish things, to accomplish anything, to do anything with and uh, that you'll never be able to finish these tasks and then move on and do another one and get anywhere that you're going to constantly be doing this flow and then it's going to be over and you're going to be a failure instead of that being like no I'm just a collection of molecules and electricity and uh, oxygen and carbon dioxide coming on out that I'm just this flowing breathing thing part of a flowing breathing universe that shifts and changes and moves and that it is okay to ride these waves of happening. And that it is okay for me to do a bit of this project and a bit of this project and then a bit of this project. And ultimately, those projects will be completed. As completed as a project can ever be, one of the first lessons you have to learn in any kind of art making is like, <laughs> is like it's never done. You'll never be happy with the edit completely. You'll never be like, eventually you just have to go like, that's it. Which then brings me to another problem I end up having, which I think is solved by this thought. Uh, perfect is the enemy of good, and it's certainly the enemy of completion. My friend Tony used to say this thing that he, he learned from a friend, which is like, they don't want it perfect, they want it Friday. And you have to think that about yourself also, that you can make good work if you just allow it to be finished and allow it to be uh, to happen and the par- paralysis of it'll never be perfect why should I even try starts to go away also because there's no longer that this idea of perfection of completeness of doneness an immutable finished project doesn't exist your body is a sandcastle and all all of existence is here for now eroded by the wind and the incoming and outgoing tide and that's fine that's a beautiful thing to be part of then I think we can have a lot less attachment and feelings of wrongness and rightness with ourselves and our experiences. Because how could anything be right or wrong forever and always? 
because everything's always changing and moving. And that experience that I think this is part of my meditation works because you learn to ride these rhythms of breath, of this in out, of this like rhythmic understanding of your universe. And as I kept thinking about this and talking about this with Allie in the car and, and these feelings we have and like trying to look at the parts of you that you don't fully express or you do and how you truly feel about things and what you're afraid of and what are you not committing to because you are afraid it will never be as good as it could be. It will never be perfect. It will never be done. I was thinking a lot about my own life and this idea of like, there are things I love. I love to make art. I love to act. I, I've been an actor for like over two years, two decades, two years, two decades, two tenure years. Um, and I still, I'm, I, I'm beaten down by it and I'm embarrassed by it because you're like, what's another 30 something, you know, actor with a little bit of success here and there, but no career. Like, oh, a dime a dozen is what that is. Hacking it out in the world, trying to do his weird stuff. Is he an influencer? Does he put things on the internet and just make little dumb joke videos? Does he vlog? What does he do? He's really inconsistent. Does he do anything consistently? Has he has he made a is he on like a TV show yet? What's his deal? You know? And and this fear of being this embarrassing thing, another struggling thing blah 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 you have the comedian in your brain you have the voices of the comments and the internet on your brain you know how you'd be portrayed if you died tomorrow he had viral success <laughs> with a a video about throwing a woman on the floor how to pick up a girl at the gym that's who he was you know what i mean like you build out how horrifying you you could look to yourself how embarrassing and and that shame that speaks to you about it is very much like the overwhelming shame of like, you're probably not that good. You're not really good enough to do this. Don't do the project. It's never going to be a good. And you're going to see what a failure you are if you try. So don't try. All this stuff, this judgment, this shame that has nothing to do with the flowing rhythms that you love about the thing that made you want it in the first place. You know? I, I told my mom when I was a kid I wanted to be an actor or a writer because I just want to make people feel things. Actors and, and artists and stuff tend to have this uh, egotistical sort of uh, bent to the myth of what and who they are. And I never understood that because <laughs> I looked at uh, this art that I loved and I had nothing to do with who I was being an actor. It had everything to do with other human beings. And maybe part of that was unhealthy. I wanted to get out of being me. But more I was obsessed with what being a human is, what it means why why how I don't really know I don't understand me so I observe and I mimic so much of the time you feel like an alien and you live your human experience and you want to live that of others and just try to get at, at what it is what the fucking answer to life is like why is it and what is it and you're so fascinated with that that you do this art Ali reminded me of a quote Fiona Apple said one time is like a cow makes milk and I make music and this idea of the artist is like someone obsessed with themselves. I I don't know that I'm obsessed with myself, but I, I am obsessed with what being a human is and what the fuck it means. And sometimes, you know, I'm the test subject I have the most access to and I can look at myself as long as I want without someone being like, why are you staring? Don't invade my space. And that question is so wildly fascinating to me and the, the the tools of it therein just the tools of like the the joy of creating a story or a, a laugh or or something absurd or just a piece of art or something 
it's so absurd, like spending all this time and effort and energy to to make a, a false version of reality of, of life to examine more of it. I don't know. It's just so wonderful to me and I can't explain it. And the doing of it has been so, ah, oof, I don't know, uh, wonderful and overwhelming in a positive way, completely uh, uh, fulfilling when I do it that I just knew I wanted to pursue it. I couldn't not. I still can't not. And it was interesting to really recognize in myself the shame about that uh, that builds up and, and the defensiveness and the way you feed the fear by never fully committing and that when I get away from that and, and I get into the rhythms of my universe, of my day, moment to moment, of my everyday a little bit uh, never complete, never never done sort of acceptance Suddenly I'm, I'm back in the doing of it. I'm in my hands. I'm in the project. The, I'm engaged with the passion of it. And I love it so much, this idea. I love acting. I love making art. I love doing this fucking podcast. I don't know. You, you, you're like, well, the doing of it, there's the joy. And when you are in the doing and you are engaged with your love and your passion for your truth at the heart of it and has nothing to do with the aspect of having done it, of how you appear to the outside world, of the accolades and consideration you'll have uh, as a cool actor, who a cool artist, a, a model that's just so mysteriously uh, beautiful and strange and mysterious that everyone wants to go, oh, what do they, what do they do? Like sort of the Remy Mollicks of the world, these like fascinating people that you just have a perception of as like, wow, they're so easy to obsess over. They're the real artist. They're the real ones. And who are we? Just like, oh, <laughs> trying to hack it out with you know no reward I, I i don't know i must be so bad i must be horrible i should quit i should never do this again this shameful thing except how pathetic you are just give it up you know it's like i never was obsessed with it in the first place for the way people would treat me if it if i was rich at it you know what i mean i i loved it because I, I loved it and when you engage with your love that if you still have it then no amount of embarrassing sort of ideas that other people have about you. He's not even that good. Have you seen it? Have you heard it? Oh my God. That doesn't fucking matter. Suddenly this fear you've had about other people's feelings about, about who and how you are, they have very little impact on anything because you're so engaged with your own love of the thing. And in an odd way, like this again, you, you are uh, not, uh, you know, to bring it kind of full circle in engaging and serving the thing that you love, the people you love, the world that you love, like you no longer have time or energy or effort to engage with your own thing that doesn't love you back, your depression, your anxiety, your self-hatred, you know, all the time you spend serving those things. You now spend serving the true objects of your adoration and your passion and your concern. Other people, other people. I mean, it all is other people. I was going to say other people and your art or whatever that is, because I truly believe everyone has art within them. But the art we serve, that is a good question. Is the art we serve, end? does that end and it's for other people also? I think it kind of does. But I also believe there's this other cosmic divine energy just in creation, that creation is part of what we must do, that all humans must be creative. It doesn't mean productive. It means creative, you know? There's a difference between produce and create. And 
they're closely linked, but sometimes just the idea of you as a producer, just like yourself as a consumer, we know that to be untrue and is unfulfilling. What you are is a creator and a and one that respirates, you know, in and out and dialogue with your experience and your existence. And that when you put that time into serving those things, serving basically art and other human beings, so love, I guess, put your your effort into love and the service of that concept, I think, I don't know, I think that's a way you can really hack your own engagement systems away from focusing on your own self-hatred and misanthropy and paralysis, you know? Anyway, that was fun. <laughs> These are thoughts I've been having. This is my brain breathing today. And I'm going to conclude it here. Um, oh, I wanted to, I did want to mention one other thing. I'll, I'll put a thing in the, in the links uh, about this. I'll put this on my Instagram too. But if you'll check out an Instagram uh, called um, I Need Some Backbone, I-N-E-E-D-S-O-M-E, B-A-C-K-B-O-N-E. Um, a fellow Good Bad Brain listener is having some medical difficulties and is uh, trying to raise, um, honestly, not that much money. It's like less than a thousand bucks. Maybe it's about a thousand bucks because it's in pounds um, to help pay for a suitable wheelchair, prescriptions, uh, travel to and from appointments, household bills, general living and items of assistance. Um, she's, uh, you know, she's, she's, uh, one of us basically. She's, um, had, I think, I think it has to do with some, uh, complications from some schizophrenia medication that she's had in the past. And, um, anyway, I think that this, uh, that this is really important that we fucking help, help each other, uh, you know, when we can, and it doesn't take that much, um, in this instance. So check that out. I need some backbone. Narkill, G-N-A-R-K-K-I-L-L is uh, their personal Instagram if you want to check it out. Um, yeah, just if you can, throw a couple bucks that way. They got a link in their bio on both those Instagram accounts. Um, I, I, it's too long to remember. Just go, go check those out and you'll find the links. Uh, let's, let's, help, let's help each other out when we can, you know, even a few bucks help, I think. Um, and that's that's that yeah oh uh, you know always uh patreon.com slash my good bad brain on that note does help me and help us out and uh i did a little thing where um i'll write you a poem if you want or if you want i'll uh, for a higher tier i'll also i'll draw one of those good bad portraits again um because those turned out really nice last time and i just want to add some little rewards back because i really appreciate um y'all's uh financial support on this pod but uh this week if you were thinking about giving money to uh my good bad brain finally maybe you've been listening for a while and you like you know checking in with each other every week um if you were thinking about finally taking the dive and throwing it at the patreon instead throw it at narkill throw it at i need some backbone um let's uh let's help each other the fuck out you know what i mean um all right lots of love thanks for listen to me brain breathe this week next week we have got some conversations i'm scheduling some other conversations and uh you know self-care hydrate be well my friends etc etc you're the best thank you
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.